Well, good morning. So I want to welcome you to this, this space of worship. Uh, welcome you to uh, Associate Pastor Sunday, <clears throat> that moment where all associate pastors across the country get an opportunity to speak in, in, in church. And I'm grateful for, grateful for Greg and Jeff and give me an opportunity to speak. It's been a couple months and it's been good. Um, what God's been doing along the way. And so um, I want to dive right into what, um, what God's given us this morning. Um, our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24 and 36 through 40. Let me pray for us. Spirit of the living God, you have given us this moment to come to your word, to come to this place and worship you. God, and you caused Luke a long time ago to write down these words on these pages. God, that we would be able to see you, that we would be able to know you, that we would be able to follow you. So, Lord, I ask in your mercy and grace that you would cause these words to come off the page and alive in our experience like never before. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with What is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. When I was in middle school, I met, uh, I met this new kid. And uh, the new kid uh, had come into a place that was, that, was, uh, that was mine, right? Like I'd been in that church for a bunch of years, and this new kid comes in in middle school, and, um, and the first thought um, that I had was uh, how arrogant he was. Um, I, the first thought I had was that this new kid was going to mess up everything. I thought that uh, he was pretty lame. When we were in church together, when we were in youth group, I used to sit uh, in a different place than him. Uh, I used to think, you know what, I, I don't really want to be around him. I don't really want to be around his friends. I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, with him. When uh, we end up playing soccer together on different teams, I would make sure that he was double teamed and that he was frustrated because um, I just, his, his affect, I, I really didn't, didn't like him all that much. 
Uh, and if you had told me um, that uh, at that time uh, that he was going to be one of my best and longest term friends, I would have absolutely laughed at you. Now, that's actually happened. Uh, Ian is one of my best and longest term friends. Uh, he's a pastor, uh, he's a fellow servant of the Lord, and, and we came to come into relationship uh, as we were transitioning out of high school and into college. Um, what a great moment for us. Now, to be fair to Ian, um, if you asked Ian about the first time that he met me, he would say, and he has said um, in my presence, that I was a jerk. Um, and, and he says it in much more colorful language than that. Um, but that's probably true. It's probably true that I was, I was very protective of, of my space, my, my time, and my place right there. I'm sure that you have uh, stories as well. Stories about the first time that you met your spouse, the first time that you met a good friend, the first time that you met that person who became someone really, really important. Uh, stories about the time that you met your hero or your, or your idol or your favorite actor, right? The stories about the first time when you met Jesus. Today, we turn to the story of Anna and what it is that her small, significant story can help us understand about our own response to Jesus, in our text, Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to be circumcised as required by Mosaic law. In Leviticus 12, the law requires that a male child be circumcised on the eighth day after he is born. The child is also supposed to be presented to the Lord by the parents, which cannot take place at the same time because the mother is considered ritually unclean for an additional 30 days after the birth which means she can't touch any consecrated thing or enter the sanctuary or the tab tabernacle. If the child had actually been female, then the time is actually extended to 60 days. So if we bring that into our current calendar, that puts Jesus' circumcision on this coming Wednesday and uh, the presentation of the Lord sometime around the Super Bowl, okay? The, the timing's a little compressed here. You see, Mary and Joseph, they have to stay somewhere in and around Jerusalem until these 30 days, these 30 days have passed in order to rightly sacrifice these two birds or these two turtle doves. And, and I, I know for some of you, you're like, two turtle doves. Oh, that's the, that's the song, right? That, that's the way. No, sorry. I looked. I'm sad. I can't tell you that the 12 days of Christmas has anything to do with this moment right here of sacrificing two turtle doves. Just happens to be the right birds. On their way to the temple, Mary and Jesus and Joseph, they're accosted by Simeon. Now, we didn't read that part of the scripture, but there's this middle part, and it's talking about this other person, Simeon. And he grabs Jesus and takes him into his arms and starts singing, which is completely odd and weird. And if that had happened to my daughter at that particular time, there would have been something different than me sitting back and like going, oh, isn't this beautiful? Who is Simeon? We know absolutely nothing of Simeon from the text. We only know that Simeon is called righteous, which is super, super important. 
Because we could list the amount of people called righteous on two hands. Ready? Noah in Genesis 6-9, Job in Job 1-1, Joseph in Matthew 1-19, Zechariah and Elizabeth, whom we just talked about in Luke 1-6, Cornelius in Acts 10-22, and Simeon in Luke 2-25. Seven people in Scripture are acknowledged as righteous. It's not a term that gets tossed around lightly. Simeon is not some drifter. According to the scriptures, he's on God's top 10 list, right? But this isn't about Simeon. When Simeon is finished praying for the child, consecrating the child, praying for him out loud in this space, Mary and Joseph meet Anna because Anna's paying attention to what's going on in the temple grounds. One commentator, who shall remain nameless? ventured these words about Anna. Her testimony adds nothing specific to what has already been established. I was a little bothered by this commentator because I actually appreciate what he said in many other places, and I kind of was like, well, I'm not going to listen to that book. So this is what we know about Anna. We're told actually more about Anna than we are about Simeon. We're told, number one, that she's a prophet. And according to a different commentator, in the Jewish tradition, there's only seven women mentioned as prophets. The label prophetess or woman prophet is attributed to five men, women in the Old Testament. Miriam in Exodus, Deborah in Judges, Huldah in Kings and Chronicles, and Noadiah and uh, the prophetess, who is this random uh, prophetess. And in the New Testament is Anna and then the unnamed prophetess in Revelation. I knew you guys knew all this, but I thought I'd make sure that you, you saw it as well. As the commentator states, as a prophetess, Anna is a vessel for a revelation from God. Is a vessel for a revelation from God. We're also told about her father and his connection to the tribe of Asher, a connection to her Jewish pedigree, a connection to her role in society, a connection to who she was and how she's connected to this, to this space in Jerusalem. We're told that she's a widow. She's advanced in years and technically 84, but possibly older. And I'm assuming in those 84 or more years, she has seen a lot of what's gone on in the temple. She's around before Jesus in these moments of silence and quiet. And since her husband's passing, she's always at the temple, always there, praying, fasting, caring for God's people. She didn't live in the temple, that's not possible. But she was always there, sun up to sundown, being in that space with God's people. And I would assume that she's at least seen Simeon, at least understood who he was. And when she sees what he's doing, she moves over for a closer look. She says, there's something going on here. And in that moment, in that moment where she comes into relationship, connection, when she meets Jesus, 
She is convinced that this child is the hope and redemption of all of Israel. And she begins immediately to give thanks to God. And I'm sure it wasn't one of those hand-holding, soft-spoken prayers. She begins to, to pray out loud and speak out loud. Anna then turns away from Jesus and addresses all of those who are looking for, and more specifically, expecting the redemption of Israel. It's amazing to me to think that these two people were in the temple in the moment that Jesus is coming back into the temple after being gone out of Jerusalem for about 40 days. He's convinced about how this six-week-old child is the hope of Israel based on this unintentional happenstance meeting. This prophetic encounter leaves, to, leaves us to wonder, what did they see that others didn't? How were they able to see what others did not? What made them so sure? What would they recognize? Would we recognize Jesus living in our own space. What would you do if that was true? The first time I met my daughter, it was a moment full of tears and laughter, of joy and pain Pain mainly with my wife more than me. <laughs> of wonder and relief. But that moment changed pretty quickly. It changed into a moment of, of, of connection and commitment. A moment of concern and dedication to this little one who I was meeting for the first time. Even though I had known her kind of, I was meeting her for the first time. It changed into this great care and expectation of who she was and who she was going to become. See, this shift also happens as we deepen our relationships with new friends. This shift also happens as we reconnect with old friends and even cherished relatives. I can only imagine that when you are so invested in what God is doing in your life, when you're so connected to what God is doing in your life, that when God shows up, you recognize God in your midst. It's true for you and I. It's true for Anna, and it's true for all the women we have looked at through Advent. What happens, right, when these women encounter the living God, right? Eve, far left, encounters God after sin enters the world, and she desperately, desperately, desperately needs hope, which she receives in the form of a promise. Hannah, after being ridiculed year after year, needed some sort of peace, needed some sort of relief, and she receives that as an answer to her prayer in the form of a pregnancy. Elizabeth encounters God after a lifetime of service to God and to God's people and finds joy 
in the elimination of disgrace because of a pregnancy. Mary encounters the Savior of the world in a way that causes disgrace to her and her family, but in it, she knows, she knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that she is loved by the living God. And Anna encounters Jesus at six weeks old and knew immediately the presence of God. Emmanuel in her midst and cannot, cannot stop telling anyone who will hear. Anna recognizes what's going on in the temple because she's always there. She's always in that place. She's always in that place where she's giving devotion to God and connecting with the living God in a way that's the only way that she knows how. Even more, she didn't just show up. It wasn't just her presence in the temple. It was because that she was there intentionally trying to connect with God. Doing things that connected her in specific ways to the Lord. It wasn't because it was tradition or she had nothing better to do since her husband had passed. Anna, like all the women in our series, are devoted followers of the living God. She was connected to the living God in a way that none of us ever will be, Eve. And she was committed to the living God in a way that I'm not sure I am. And she was concerned with God's people in a powerful way, and, and she was obedient. And she was present and consistent servant in the temple. And they... They were all expecting that God was going to do something even though God had been silent for years. You see, as we step out of Advent, we recognize that, that hope, hope's not the point. See, hope finds its end in Jesus. We see that peace Peace is not the point. Peace finds its end in Jesus. That, that joy, that joy is not the point. Joy finds its end in Jesus. Love, love is not the point. It finds its end in Jesus. You and I, our lives are not the point. We find our end in Jesus. In the words that Anna continues to speak, the what she does in turning away from Christ after meeting him is the words this. And I love what Jeremy's done. It helps this, this sermon. Come, meet Jesus. She turns away from Jesus after having met him, after having communed with him, and goes and tells anyone who's around, come, meet Jesus. Don't be hopeful anymore. Don't just live in peace anymore. Don't just live in joy anymore. Come, meet Jesus, for this is the one who's going to carry us and carry all of those hopes, all of those pieces of peace, all of that joy, all of that love. When we meet Jesus, Jesus holds it all. (laughs) 
When we meet Jesus, we recognize that we need to be redeemed from the endless pursuits of hope, the endless pursuits of peace, the endless pursuits of joy, the endless pursuits of love. We need to be redeemed so that we can live in the presence of the one who is hope, who is peace, who is joy, who is love. If you haven't meet, met Jesus, I invite you to come and meet him. Jesus has come into your midst. Emmanuel is accessible to you. The, live, the spirit of the living God resides in you no matter what you have been going through. Whether you are ready to say good riddance to 2018 or saying thank you for this has been the best year of my life. The questions that we have is are you connected to the living God? If not, come meet Jesus. Are you committed to the living God? If not, come meet Jesus. Are you concerned with God's people? If not, come meet Jesus. Are you obedient to the living God? If not, come meet Jesus. Are you present and consistent serving the church, church big C? If not, come meet Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, when you meet Jesus, are you expecting that God is going to do something immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine? Because God's imagination is so much greater than what you've got going on between your two years. Because you and I have encountered the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. Are you telling people to come meet Jesus? For Anna offers us the example of what we do when we meet Jesus. It's not just so that we might hold on to that six-week-old baby child. It's not so that we might just hold on to the reality of what is true because of the cross and because of the empty, empty tomb. We meet Jesus. We turn away we walk with Jesus into the world and we tell people to come and meet the one who has redeemed me. So who do you need to tell? Who is it that you need to tell? Who is it that you have been telling for years upon years and you just need to continue to remind them that you're praying for them, that you're holding them in prayer, that you're believing that Jesus is the one who can hold them in the midst of their life, and the joys and the pains. I thought today we'd give you a moment. There's these uh, sermon note cards in the pew backs in front of you. And I'm a fan of notes. I'm a fan of cards. I want to invite you in a moment of silence before Jeremy comes up to grab one of those sermon note cards. Grab a pen. Y'all share. And write a note. Either one to yourself or one to that person that you need to be telling, right? And in my imagination, that note looks like this. Name. 
Bobby. I have had an amazing Christmas. I hope you have too. Got your card. Just wanted you to know, God's been doing some amazing stuff in my life. I would love to tell you about it. We really make it sometimes so complicated, don't we? <laughs> when it can be so simple. Uh, another opportunity for a note. Uh, one to yourself. Do not forget to call. Put it somewhere you're going to find it. So as this moment of silence comes, and as Jeremy comes, I'll give you about 30 seconds just to hear what God's saying to you. <laughs> 